Ringer Films is premiering its first of six films in our music box series, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage, on Friday, July 23rd on HBO. Woodstock 99 tells the story of the infamous music festival promoting unity and counterculture, but devolved into chaos and collapsed under the weight of its own ambition. Watch or stream Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage on HBO or HBO Max now. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. Have you ever been in an accident? and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. New rewatchables coming on Monday night. We did The Bodyguard. Me and Van Lathan. Just wanted to talk about Whitney. Wanted to talk about the second most successful movie of 1992. A movie that is the most successful soundtrack ever. It was time. It was episode 198 of The Rewatchables. So that is going up on Monday night. That was a really fun one. I enjoyed that one. And speaking of fun things, um, we finally got to launch our Music Box series on HBO. Six documentaries about music that will be, the other five will be running at the end of this year, but we ran our Woodstock 99 Peace, Love, and Rage documentary directed by Garrett Price. Got great reviews. Very excited about that. People seem to really like it, and it is now available on HBO Max. It premiered on HBO, but if you have HBO Max, go watch it. It's less than two hours. You'll learn some stuff. Um, the music is fascinating. The story is fascinating and, uh, really proud of that doc. So go check that out. Don't forget to, uh, listen to the ringer NBA podcast as well. And Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Cause we have a lot of draft stuff this week. This is an unusually good draft because you have top tier guys, um, three or four, depending on who's in your top tier, a lot of trade possibilities. You have the warriors trying to figure out what to do at seven and 14. You have OKC at six with a bunch of extra picks trying to decide they want to trade up. So a lot of subplots. And what we wanted to do is, uh, we're going to do a little gimmick called the mock draft war room, which I will explain after you hear from our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this uh, middle of Sunday afternoon, my time. We have a fun NBA draft gimmick coming. 
Jay Kyle Mann is here. Kevin O'Connor is here, both from The Ringer. Jonathan Sharks is going to join us in one second to be part of our uh, little warm room gimmick that we're going to do. Team USA, did anyone see it today? KOC, did you see it? I was not up that early after a late night of doing some writing, draft stuff and all that. Did not see it live. Just watched the highlights. Another embarrassment, Bill. And Kyle, you didn't see it either. So this was the smartest move ever by Team USA to have their first stink bomb <laughs> when nobody was awake. It's like a bad news drop. Yeah, they did it. They did it on like Friday afternoon. Yeah, or something. But I, uh, I picked Slovenia 25 to 1. I thought that was a great bet. This France team was also pretty interesting, but uh, just some some classic bad coaching, it seemed like, with uh, Durant gets four fouls in the first half. Again, I didn't see it, but they still had a chance to win. They missed four straight threes in the final minute. And then the irony of irony is Evan Fournier just the lighting them up. Yeah, Give him the, the max, Bill. <laughs> the guy the Celtics traded for. The Celtics are probably have their hands in their face now, hoping that <laughs> he's not going to be limpic here. They also had Yavaselli. Uh, Vincent Poirier was on that team too, but, um, to me it's the roster construction. I just think at international basketball, you got to win with guards. You need two shooters and one big guy and you're good to go. And this, this team, like Dame as awesome as he is, he's a top 11 guy, but he's not the calm you down and international basketball look for everybody else type guy. We got in trouble with this in 2004 with Marbury and Francis when we had, or Marbury and Iverson. I can't remember if Francis was on the team too, but, um, it does seem like there's, a specific way to do this. Sharks, would you like this Olympic team more if it was just 24 and under or 23 and under and we just got to root for, you know, we had both ball brothers on the team. Maybe Tatum is the lead guy. Um, we have Cam Reddish Zion. and people like that. Zion, would, like, would that be a more fun experience for you than just like this all-star team of like guys who wanted to be there, other guys that kind of got roped into it and then a lot of guys who turned it down? I think for sure, if there was continuity, right? Like the LeBron Wade Mellow teams had like three year, three runs together. We're like 06, 08, 2010. Yeah. At the very 04. least do that. Yeah. yeah. Having guys coming every year is totally haphazard. Just makes kind of bad basketball. KOC, would you have wanted Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley on this team? <laughs> I mean, it's like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It would have been nice to see some youth on this roster, right? Yeah. And, and I, I just, I don't know. The roster construction stinks. I thought it was funny seeing some of the, the report earlier today about players not loving the Spursian style system that they were <laughs> right. playing. It's just odd. I mean, it's just odd. You would think like you would, the, the Spurs system takes years and years of experience to get it, have that chemistry. Run some pick and roll. Let's, let's see some high pick and roll. Simplify things. Yeah. How about just copy what the other countries do? Because that's what works in international basketball. And that's why we won in 08 and 2012, because we put thought into it. Is this Grant Hill's fault? Is he running things now because Colangelo stepped down? No, it, it's I Colangelo's fingerprints are on this, but are I, he's I still running it. I, there's some Popovich kind of not not sure if maybe this is the uh, if this is the sphere for him. Kyle's nodding. You nodding at that? I mean, I think it's mainly the roster construction, honestly. Like you said, uh, that's the main thing. I, you know, whenever you're losing, the the grumbling just starts to sort of try to find a place to, you know, to go, I feel like. So maybe that's why people are complaining. It's just, it's on paper, you can look at it. It's just like we said, it's, it is very similar to the, the hard lessons we learned. Of course, that was a case of, you know, I, I guess it always is just kind of a case of what Americans are willing to play. Like John was saying, like, you know, we, we've seen really fun younger American teams go over that have been really fun to watch. Like just somebody who is... You just need a lot of ball movement. You need dribble creation. You need shooting. And we just have a lot of, like, on-ball creators and not enough players that are, like, just facilitators. Like, 
Trey would have been good, I think. I think in these Olympics. Both ball brothers. Yeah. KOC, it's it's like watching the Celtics offense all over again with a lot of one on one stuff, <laughs> a lot of a lot of four guys standing around. I, I just don't personally like it. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't think they're gonna win the gold medal. Here's what we're gonna talk about. Ooh. We have a fun gimmick for today. We have the NBA draft coming on Thursday. These are our guys. Our three guys that are with me right now. They've studied this draft, they absorbed it. They've looked at it. They have opinions. They've shifted their opinions. So I'm going to pretend I am the GM for each of the first 15 teams. And Kyle and KOC and Sharks are my war room. And we're going to go pick by pick. I'm going to impersonate the GM, which is going to be really fun <laughs> when we get to David Griffin. I'm just telling you guys now. Um, I'm going to be the GM. I'm going to ask you guys for, for your takes. And then I'm going to make my decision. I might ask you a couple questions as well. So we're going to start here. The Pistons are on the clock at number one. I am running the Pistons. This Wait, is great. So you, are you going to take on the personality traits, like like full on impersonate? The, only a the couple GM? times. Yeah, okay. only a couple okay. times. Yeah, but for the most part, I'm going to be me as the GM for a day. So the Pistons, um, I got to say, as you know, I was a little on the fence with Cade Cunningham as the surefire guaranteed number one. I read this Mike Schmitz article. Did you guys read that on yeah. ESPN where? He had YouTube clips of the 11 moves that Cade had that he thought were transferable in the NBA. And I watched each move. And by the end of it, I was like, all right, <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> I, I might be more in than I thought, even with the, uh, you know, I still I still think Evan Mobley is going to be a great player. But uh, uh, KC, let's start with you. Well, I Cade mean, I is think the guy you haven't wavered, right? Sure. I haven't wavered there. I, I think you can love both. It's okay to love both Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. An argument for Cade Cunningham is not an argument against Evan Mobley. And with Cade Cunningham here, it's, he checks all the boxes as a shot creator. Like, where do you want to spend your money and invest your money in a potential max contract player in four years when his rookie deal is up? I want him in a guy that can run my offense, who can also be multi-positional on defense, who can play make, who can shoot off the dribble, get to the basket, and be a leader. Cade Cunningham checks all of those boxes. And he can play with your guy, your hero, Killian Hayes? Yes, my hero, can, Killian Hayes. They can play who, together? No, who nobody should give up on yet after his great up. defensive rookie season, solid playmaking season. He just needs to figure out how to score. And Cade could help. Okay. Uh, Kyle, you're on board with that? We're taking Cade at one here? Yeah. I mean, I've been a Cade guy for quite a while now. I mean, I, I think that he has an extremely high floor. I mean, I, I'm not as sure about him being like and like balls to the wall, like super superstar offensively in terms of like carrying the scoring load for a team. But I think he absolutely is the type of player that can level up an offense because, you know, we're, we're the Detroit Pistons. Cade fits with our infrastructure and the roster that we have now. And I think he's going to make the pieces that we he accomplishes two things. I think he's the best player on the board, number one, but he also is going to make all the players that we have better instantly. Um, I think he's going to be a good player next year and make the Pistons roster better in the short term. So Schmidt said he made a case that of basically the last 12 years of overall number one picks, Kate has a chance to be the third best guy. And it was interesting to see the list of the picks, right? Zion and Anthony Davis, I think were surefire. We knew they were going to be great. Charks, He's not on that list, but do you, where do you have him? Like a level below, like, like a multi-time all-star? Is he an all-NBA guy for you? What, what's the ceiling for him? I think so. I mean, I think there are two legit franchise players in this draft. It's Cade and Mobley. Let me give the Mobley pitch, though, for one. Let's hear Why it. he should go. Okay. Number one, so the last two championships, Anthony Davis and Giannis. So I think the, the way the league is moving, 
If you can have a seven-footer who can protect the rim, get his own shot, guard the pick and roll, and guard wings on space in the perimeter, those are the most valuable players where the league is moving. And that's Evan Mobley. Mobley gives you a chance to have that kind of elite, elite seven-footer. Plus, he's a better passer than both those guys. I'd say he has a higher feel for the game than AD and Giannis. And I think the biggest thing with Mobley right now is he's skinny. Remember all those pictures of Giannis in the finals? They're like, look how much he's grown. Yes, an athletic seven-footer will add weight as he gets older. That's not like super controversial. Like to me, Evan Mobley is going to be the best player in this draft. Yeah, it's almost like Bosch should be the one they're looking at for what Bosch looked like when he came into the league versus what he looked like, you know, year four in Miami. All right, so let me ask you, because there's a couple teams I want to call before I make this pick. I personally like Mobley the most in this draft. I know it's not the perfect, like I, I know Cade's a safer pick. Cade wants to be in Detroit. You know, there's, there's, there's something to that. Detroit hasn't exactly been lights out the last 12 years, but, and he wants to go there and he seems like he's embraced it. I'm calling Houston just out of curiosity to see if they want to flip picks with me. What else am I getting? KOC, what else am I getting when I call Houston? I mean, you're trying to get an additional unprotected first round pick at the least. And like, this is another reason to take Cade too. If you take Cade Cunningham, suddenly you do have the leverage to say, okay, Houston, we got him. What are you going to give? Give it all up if you really want him that badly. So you, you're in a position if you take Cade to do that. So I don't know, at least one more unprotected first round pick. Um, but I'd want even more than that to move off of Cade Cunningham. The, but if you what, were, yeah, if you are Houston, what would you give up for Cade? What does Houston have that we want? Two to one. That's what I'm saying. Other than the pick. Well, they have like, those Brooklyn picks, right? From yeah, the it, trade. It, it would be, you know, just more draft equity that you would have. Right. Like like in the same way that Oklahoma City, you know, different circumstances, but having all those picks can come into play sometime down the line for moving up. And I think also the other side of it here for Detroit is what if, I mean, the name we haven't mentioned here is Jalen Green. And, well, so what if Houston's like, we're cool. We're going to get Green at two. Yes. And, we're and not like, interested in flipping picks. We're going to get a guard that we want anyway. So exactly. thanks anyway. Exactly. But now let's go to number three. And then in that case, if they're leapfrogging too, if Cleveland were to move up or something like that, then we're really talking here. The thing is, though, is for Detroit, let's say you really feel strongly about Jalen Green and you have him number two on your board. Like, no, none of us here are really arguing for Jalen Green, but there are people within the Pistons front office that really love Jalen Green. I heard he had an outstanding workout with the team recently. Just a terrific workout, showed off his athleticism, great interview. And then some of the people in the front office who were all in on Cade are like, well, I mean, it's at least worth thinking about Jalen Green. So, I mean, we'll see what happens on Thursday. And I'd be shocked if they don't take Cade Cunningham. Um, and he should be our pick here. But okay, Jalen my Green question is, for I gotta you. consider. KOC, if you were Houston, how much would you give up for Cade to go from two to one? I'd give up multiple future picks because you have so many. You know, give a Brooklyn pick, give one of your own picks, maybe. So I'm not going overboard next though. year. Maybe Kevin Porter too. See, sure. I, I'm so not going overboard though. I've actually done my homework now. It seems like there's three guys that you're feeling really good about, and I don't know if I'm trading up for any of the three because I think five years from now you can make a case for any of the three. This isn't Anthony Davis in 2012. I think you can make a better case to go backwards and still get one of the three at the three pick. And, you know, the caveat with Cleveland 
is they have these two guards. They have the Sexton situation, which is so weird. He's in all these trade rumors. I don't even know why you would give up real assets for him when you have to pay him. And we've never seen him do really anything well. Then the Garland thing, um, they, it, it just looks like the way it's going to play out is they would get Mobley. Great for them. But if I'm Detroit and I can move backwards and try to dangle Cade and see if that's something... I Look, this is all masturbatory because it, we know how this is going to go. It's going to go Cunningham one. It's going to go green two. And it's going to go Mobley three. And we'll get to what Cleveland's going to do in a second. So if I'm staying with this pick, Charks, just... I'm not taking Mobley here, right? I have to take Cade or you want me to take Mobley? I would take Mobley. I don't care. Like, take the best player. Don't overthink this. And if Can you I think you're the best a player, question? just go for it. Yeah. What do, what do you what do you think Mobley's like implied mode of like elite offense is for him to like leap to be like to move to the front of this conversation? What do you think in the NBA? Like you mentioned Giannis, like Giannis transition, getting to the rim, things like that. He doesn't he's not as twitchy and like as fast as Giannis. I mean, he moves really well. I'm just curious, like what you think. I think Mobley's he can initiate offense. offense. He could straight up in three or four years have the ball mm. at the free throw line and go to the rim and make the pass or the shot. I think that's coming for him. I'm not taking Mobley at one when I can get him at two or three. So if he's my guy, I'm not, I'm not taking him one. I'm going backwards. And I don't think Houston would be interested. So then I would have to try to entice Cleveland. Or the other option is if OKC can go from six to three, get to three, and then move up again from three to one. They basically <laughs> have to make two trades. KOC, I know you talked about this possibility, but what does it take for them to go from six to three? Uh, probably a quite a bit. I mean, into that top four, that's kind of the, the threshold. Most people consider the top four, you know, consensus top four with Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. And of course, we talked about Evan Mobley and, and um, Cunningham. So there's, you know, multiple first round draft picks there. But with that said, the price in past years, we've seen the Luka, Trey deal, Tatum, Fultz, typically to move into the top five, the price is one extra first round draft pick. I would expect with the nature of this draft, it would be one plus. So maybe Kyle, two. That, Kyle, should that change? Because we, the price for a superstar has basically doubled to triple, depending on who we're talking about with picks, right? But as KOC said, it's like, I can get Luca for Cam Reddish and Trey Young, basically. I can I can move up a couple spots and I'm giving up one pick. That's it. If you're OKC, why wouldn't you give up if you know, you give up two firsts to go from six to three, and then you give up another unprotected first to go from three to one. And plus, like they have those clipper picks that are getting tastier by the day. You have Kawhi's not even playing next year. Who knows what's going to happen with him in free agency? And they're the Clippers. They're jinx. They have should have a black cat at midcourt. Um, I, I just feel like you at least have to kick the tires with OKC as a two-part thing based on this whole, what is, what is a guy actually worth now? Because it's 200 cents in the dollar for anybody who has a chance to be a top 20 guy. What do you think of that? Yeah, I guess it just comes down to I don't know that there's as much as I like these guys at the top. We were Charks and I were in this conversation the other day that like I think it was Charks, but um as much as I like these guys, all three of them are like high floor. Like I don't know that they're hit, hitting like tippy top like I would reset my whole franchise for. Maybe. Like I don't know. I don't know how much they would like mobilize me to give up. But I guess if if those picks that you were talking about if I want to just bundle a bunch of those that I'm sure aren't going to really be 
you know, context changing kind of picks for me, I would, I would consider kicking the the tires on it for, if I'm OKC, I guess you just start thinking about what, what do they have that's really valuable that would really move the needle? I mean, would you rather have Cade or would you rather have Shea, you know, like compare like Shea against these guys? Sure. They're both. Both. Could that that be, you know, pull it off. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the question. With KOC's I mean, guy, I, Poco, the new big three. <laughs> <laughs> I think going back don't to what Bill Dort. said. Don't forget Dort. And Dort. Yeah, big four. <laughs> if, if James Harden is worth seven first-round picks, why shouldn't KMO be worth four, right? Just half as much. If Paul George is worth six first-round picks, then three to four picks to me seems not unreasonable for a top-two prospect. This happens in football sometimes where we think we know who one and two is, and then the draft really starts at three. And you saw it this year where... Um, the Niners paid a pretty premium price to move up to three and then have taken Trey Lance, who was the third quarterback taken. But I do wonder, I think it's going to go Cunningham and then Green. And now Cleveland's at the clock at three. And I do think a lot of people are going to make a run at that pick. Cleveland, they don't really know what their team is. I don't think they have a specific direction. And if you could overwhelm them with picks, we'll see. So here's what I'm going to do, Charks because we didn't mention this. I'm a little worried about Moby being represented by Wasserman and the whole Detroit piece of his. Aaron Tellum used to be there. I don't know if they're happy with potentially going to the Pistons, whereas Kate Cunningham's like, I want to be a Piston. I'm down. I just watched the bad boys 30 for 33. Take me. I'm ready to go. So I, I think I'm going to be a coward and I'm going to take Cunningham. Also, it's going to be way more fun to have Moby uh, continue to go. All right. We are going to um, take a quick break and then... Houston Rockets, number two. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries. Maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. Better help. A convenient and flexible way, since it's entirely online right now, it's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. All right, Rockets are up. I'm going to be their GM who managed to trade away James Harden for a bunch of picks that might not even be worth it. But at least now I can point to Jalen Green and I can say, I have this guy. He's super explosive. I'm just, I'm Raphael Stone. I'm just trying to keep my job. I don't want to take Mobley over Green and then have Green be this exciting electric guy. Green, he's going to take time. He's like a plant. You're going to have to water him for a couple of years. Nobody's going to know if he's good. He's going to help me be crappy this year too. I can potentially have another pick. Do they have their own first next year? I can't remember. Next two years. Then they lose all next, of them. So they have, they they have a two-year window to have their picks. So I'm leaning toward green because it helps me keep my job. 
Um, Sharks, you hate this. You want me to take Mobley. I mean, you keep your job by drafting the best player. And if, like, to me, either way, whoever you draft this year at two is not going to help you improve your team that much. You're going to be bad. I wouldn't worry too much about that. I mean, Green's really good. But to me, I would say it's Caden Mobley 1-2. To me, Green's closer to Jalen Suggs at four than Mobley at two, if I'm looking at the big board. What do you have, Kyle? I think you could easily make that argument because of like two-way impact. The two-way impact thing is what what I think the argument for separating Cade and Mobley above those guys. Like I, I do think that the green, the green sucks thing is pretty close. And I, I agree too. I mean, you could could you play Mobley and like uh you know, Christian Wood this year started playing five for the first time. So we know he's interchangeable on that front. We know he can space some, could potentially play them together. But also, you know, Mobley's a long-term play where you don't necessarily have to no, nothing is set for Houston. So, I mean, I would uh, I would lean towards Mobley here just for that reason, even though, you know, I've spent a lot of time lately watching Jalen Green. Like, I think that you're right. I think that he definitely is the type of player. He's not like a floor-raising type of player. He's going to take him a while to become, like, comfortable with, like, NBA-level playmaking and scoring and balancing those two things. He's skinny. Like, a lot of things got to play out. That's true for Mobley, too. Um, it's really close for me, but I lean Mobley here just because of the the, the two way impact. I think he could be defensively really special. Kyle, PSA? you said how he's not a floor raising player, but Jalen Green could be a ceiling raising player, and I think that's the appeal with him. And I, I was I was talking with somebody last week who said who said to me that we're just speculating here. He's like, what if Houston's floating all the stuff out there about Cade Cunningham just because they don't want Detroit to know that they actually want Jalen Green <laughs> and that they want him wow. to be there at number two. Just speculation there, just two people talking, but it's interesting because everything you hear about Jalen Green, like Kyle, I thought like your video you did about him was great. And I agree with like the take that Kyle had in the video about Jalen Green where you said likely, you know, top 20, 25 player. That's what you hope for, right? That's a great player in the NBA today with how much, how deep it is. But with Jalen Green though, elite athleticism, elite work ethic showed improvement over the course of the G League season as a defender, as a passer. And that's the type of progress you want to see. And I think with him, he he can be down the line the type of guy who's your primary bucket getter. But I think the playmaking potential is pretty there, too. So maybe he's not going to be a great defensive player like an Evan Mobley. But I do see Jalen Green as a guy that sometime down the line could be the real centerpiece of your offense as a high flyer who can shoot like hell from the perimeter. So uh, I'm, be, I'm going with Jalen Green here. And Evan Mobley is tough to pass on, but I just love the fit in addition to just his elite upside. Sharks on the ESPN top 100 from 2020, the top recruits heading into college. Jalen Green was one. Kate Cunningham was two. Evan Mobley was three. And then Kaminga, Scotty Barnes. So Green doesn't go to college. Does like the A traditional thing. Actually impressed people in the G League. He's six foot five. He seems like he has of the prototypes of what you would want as an elite two guard, a position that there's really not that many great two guards anymore. So he could immediately have a chance to be a top three guy at that position. And yet I want to take Mobley. Um, you're with me on Mobley, right? Sharks. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think like green is great, but six, five, two guards who aren't primary ball handlers who have to gain weight to be good defensively. Like there are just fewer avenues to impact the game than a seven-footer who's already great defensively, who I think is a better passer than Green right now, who's got pretty good scoring instincts himself and near the basket. It's just like, if I'm going to gamble on a six-foot-five guy versus a seven-foot guy, 
I'm going to go with the size. If the size has got speed and skill as well. KOC in your draft guide for Jalen Green, it said shades of Zach Levine. Career loser. Last time I checked, haven't seen him in the playoffs a lot. <laughs> Bradley Beal, uh, like him as well. Career, career loser. Has he got past the second round? And then um, good early Malik years Bunk. with the Wizards. Yeah. Yeah. I say cr- career loser uh, in the most pleasant way possible. I'm just saying like he has not, <laughs> whatever he does tra- so has not translated negative. to final four. Where it's like, I think about Mobley and I think about what I saw in the finals. And one of the biggest reasons the Bucks won is because when Chris Paul got the switch he wanted and all of a sudden Giannis was on him, Giannis could actually be like, cool. I, you're not doing Chris Paul stuff against me because I'm Giannis. I don't know if Mobley can get there defensively, but I do think that's where the league has shifted where you need one guy like that. And I just think he's going to be really good. If my reason not to take him is I have Christian Wood, that's not a good reason. So I have uh, I have Mobley. I'm taking Mobley for the Rockets. I think it's the smartest pick, safest pick. I just think he's going to be really good. And I don't quite have the balls to take him first, but um, but there you go. All right, so that leaves the Cavs, who are now screwed. Here's another reason to take Mobley second with Houston, because if you're the Cavs, you're like, oh, no. We thought we were getting Mobley. What? And then all these other teams were like, oh, shit. We thought we were going to trade up to three and try to fleece Mobley from the Cavs, that's out the window as well. So now they're sitting there. They have just a bunch of guards and power forwards. It's one of the weirdest rosters in the league. Kevin Love's like, I've had the strain calf for three years, and <laughs> and I have to leave Team USA to do more rehab on it. He's 32. It's like he's 45. I don't know what you're looking at if you're Cleveland, but I think you have to take green, right? Is there anybody else here? You have to take green. And okay. I, I think I think like you could still potentially trade the pick. Like there are teams that would be very, very happy to try to trade up and get Jalen Green. So you still have some trade leverage there if you're Cleveland. Or you could also try to move up one spot with Houston too. Is that five and eight for three is not a realistic trade if green is the guy, right? I need more from Orlando than five and eight. I would for think three. so. I would have yeah. if I was the Matthew Judd in the second, wouldn't even think twice. What else would be in that trade, Kyle? Five, I, eight, um, the rights to Markel Fultz's autobiography. <laughs> um, Could you pry Chuma from them or somebody like that? I mean, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I like that's a That's an interesting. RJ guy. Hampton. I mean, yeah. Hampton may, he's already going to be bouncing Hampton. around that much. <laughs> they should just take uh, green. Yeah, so, I think they should. So we're taking green at three. We're delighted. And I think Toronto, who we're about to get to, I do think Toronto was sniffing around trying to get up there because everyone's like, there's, it's a top four. It feels like it's a top three and then a, a slight infinitesimal drop off and then Suggs in his own kind of little mini tear, because I don't think he's on the level of the other. I really like Suggs, but I don't feel like he's on the level. All right. So we had the Cavs. That was easy. Who is the Cavs GM right now? I can't remember. Kobe Altman. Oh, rough stretch for Kobe. It, it, and by There's the way, been some, it, been some hard to believe he's still the GM. There's been some bad moves. And, and by the way, if Mobley isn't there at three, I'd be very happy to try to trade down with OKC at six. I think if you're Cleveland, like you love Jalen Green, you might love Jalen Suggs, but because you already have the Colin Sexton Darius Garland problem there, moving down to six, if you really want to guard there, you can still get like a James Book night. And there's a heck of a lot of other wings forwards that you can get at that spot, in addition to a bunch of other draft capital. So if no Mobley for Cleveland, which would be a shame because Allen, Mobley, Okoro front court would be really fun to watch. I'd love to watch that. It would be a shame if we don't get to see it. 
But trying to trade down to me would be the best for Cleveland there. And um, we'll see what happens, though. We'll see. If I'm Cleveland, the only guys I care about on this roster are Garland and Okoro. Not Allen? Well, and in, in, in trying to re-sign Allen. He's restricted, right? I do think they yeah. have to be worried somebody's going to come in off the top rope for him. But um, I don't know. If I if I could end up with basically Garland, Okoro, and, and, uh, and Green, and then I'll figure out the rest. It's like, do I trade Larry Nance? What do I do with Sexton? I'm still dubious that there are these teams trying to uh, pursue Sexton, but we'll see. Anyway, Kobe Altman. Wow. Can't believe he's, can't believe I still have this job, says Kobe Altman as me. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say, Green does everything that Sexton does, but he's bigger and more athletic. I mean, so, and he has probably has more defensive upside, I would say, too, depending on how you want to look at it. So, I, and, I, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, if you can get him, you get him, I think, and you just deal with the problems that come with that. Sharks, so. make the case for Sexton really fast, just in general. Uh-oh. I'm not a big Sexton guy. I mean, he gets buckets. Okay. He, he'll be in the league a long time getting buckets. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of big Sexton guys out there. It's like when we, we try to find the Kaminga guys later, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough to I guess like Sexton in New York would be good, right? Because the Knicks have Julius Randle to run point. Sexton could guard point guard, just take shots constantly. That'd be fine. Something like that would make sense I'll, for him. I like Sexton. I think he's a pretty good player. I mean, he averaged 24 points. He's improved his efficiency on a higher volume and each of his three years in the NBA, improved as a passer. I mean, I think like maybe he's doing too much for what you want from him, but that's because the Cleveland Cavaliers needed points. If you have him in a situation where you only need 17 points from Sexton, I think he can be a really, really good player for you. Like a di- high-end dynamic guard off the bench or, you know, put him with like a bigger guard in the backcourt as a starter. I-, I I think Colin Sexton could be a really valuable player in a winning situation. Yeah, his stock has dropped too far, it feels like, because he's only 22. He's in a horrible situation basically for his entire career, you know, and I do think he plays hard. Like if you're just judging it by, does this guy give a shit? I've never watched a Cavs game and thought that he was either mailing it in or it seemed like he had an attitude or stuff like that. It seemed like he was really trying on bad rosters. So maybe that is the type of guy you get. It does feel a little Thibodeau Nixie potentially. All right. Number four, I'm Toronto. I could just make it easy and take Jalen Suggs. I could get ambitious and dangle Siakam around, which I think is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my first question is, what is the price for Siakam with Golden State? Because I think that's the top 35 type of guy that they can get for some of their assets. But what is that? Is it Wiggins 7 and 14? Does Wiseman have to be in the trade? Is it just Wiggins and 7? What do you think it is, Kyle? Do we... Do we think that uh, Toronto would be interested in Wiseman would be a question. I don't know. That seems like... I would of, be. You they they so? did reportedly have interest in Jared Allen. So if okay. they like oh. another rim-running big, maybe they, they need would a like center. Wiseman. They got nothing long-term at the five spot. So it makes sense. Yeah. I was yeah, I was curious about them maybe trying to make a run at Mobley because it kind of made sense. I mean, and one of these other big physical kind of defensive fours kind of makes sense for Toronto too with what they have. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if... I don't know if I would want to. Are we sure Siakam's a top 35 player? Has that conversation changed any in the past year? No, he's he's probably top 50 now. But I, I think a year ago you would have put him in there. His contract is awful. He's got, um, he's basically averaging 34 million a year in the next couple of years. 
So for the Warriors, it's basically they'd be flipping Wiggins for him. But we've seen um, Siakam expand in like a strong structure, like a, a strong team, like a team that has like a good structure in place. Like it, it yeah. feels like maybe if you put him in that environment, he could he could help them out. I could see that happening for sure. Jackie, what he does. Jackie McMullen was pretty adamant that she thought he was one of the guys who got really affected by the bubble and the pandemic, all that stuff, and that he actually might be a better asset than maybe that was shown last year. I would not trade. If I were the Warriors, I would do Wiggins in seven. I would not include 14. See, if Otherwise, I'm Toronto, just keep Wiggins. Toronto's like, Wiggins isn't a positive asset. Like, I want Wiseman in the two picks. Maybe I'll take Wiggins from you, but I'm not going to trade for Wiggins. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, are, are we sure Wiggins isn't a slightly positive on-court asset? He was, I, I mean, let, you were relentlessly positive. Well, for, forget the money for one second, because Siakam's You're making NBA a lot, team. too. It's important, but the money. But Wiggins was a really terrific defensive player last season for the Warriors. He was, he was. terrific. Borderline second-team all-defense. So, like, factor that in there. He's not a lost cause on that end. He's not a zero by well, any means. Well, there's only two more years on that deal, too. And where's he from? Canada. That's fun. Come on, Sharks. I'm get you're paying guy? me to take his contract. I'm telling you that right now. Like you're giving me assets to get that on my books. Come I'm on, Sharks. You don't want you. Sexton? You don't want uh, Wiggins? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Wiggins <laughs> is third Wiggins is 31.5 next year and 33.6 the year after. I was trying to think, is there a way Toronto could get basically seven, fourteen Wiggins, stay at four, but then try to or or basically Basically, try to figure out how they could end up with Mobley and Suggs. It's like what whatever they had to trade, where that that's like the last two assets they'd have standing. I don't think it's possible though. I tried. I tried the, to figure it out. The two guys they actually want, it seems like, are Jalen Suggs and Scotty Barnes. And there's like some little, you know, Josh Kitty rumblings. I don't think that's real for the mm. four spot. But maybe if they were at seven or fourteen, we're talking there. But like, how much are we factoring in Kyle Lowry's future with this, this decision at number four? How much are we factoring in? the very real Ben Simmons interest as well with the decision that's made there. Cause if you want Ben Simmons and if you're going for Ben Simmons with, you know, young players and future picks or whatever, maybe you're not taking Scotty Barnes and instead you're going with Jalen Suggs. Like, so how much is that a consideration? See, KFC, I think spot? that's really important because I think if you're Toronto, if you draft Suggs at four, he's going to have positive value in a year. Cause he's going to be a winning player on a playoff team with two way ability and you can say, here's your young star for a Ben Simmons. We've developed him. He's doing really well. He's like your SGA then all of a sudden. Suggs is. So to me, like you draft Suggs and say, in a year, I can trade Suggs and picks for almost anybody, basically. That's what I'm thinking. I think that's important because Suggs fits. He plugs and plays with Toronto's roster based on what I've looked at and thought about. I mean, he he is going to be ready to play for them next year, in my opinion. Like, he's he's just ready. He's a smart, tough player, and I think he's going to be a two-way player. And, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Charks. I think he's going to be a good asset in the near future. He's very Raptors-y. Mm -hmm. My guess is they let Lowry go, and they just take Suggs, and they just annoyed Suggs as the Lowry successor. What I still haven't figured out what Lowry's price range is because people do this thing now where they just assume every team can sign everybody no matter what their cap situation. Lakers is like, oh, they're going to get Chris Paul. It's like, how? There's no possible way they're going to get Chris Paul unless they talk somebody into taking Schroeder and, you know, KCP or, or 
Kuzma. Like it, it's just not realistic with, um, with Lowry, you know, the Knicks are the team that have the cap space for him. And I do think the Knicks are going to be heard from the Chris Paul thing. There's been a lot of rumblings about, are, are we positive? He's going back to Phoenix, stuff like that. Um, so I just feel like Lowry's going to end up in the Knicks is my point, I guess. And they just replace him with Suggs. They're not going anywhere anyway. Suggs, Van Vliet, they keep Siakam. They try to sign a center. Would they have the cap? If Lowry left, I think, wouldn't they have the cap space to either try to get Jared Allen or, or try to trade for Miles Turner? Like both of those things are possible, right? I think, I think. Yeah, if Toronto, if Toronto loses, you know, a lot of their free agents and open up cap space, they could open up like over 20 million in cap. So it's complicated to get to that point, but they could theoretically create a lot of cap space. Yeah, next year they have Siakam at 33. They got Van Vliet at 20, Ananobi at 16. So that's almost 70. Um, yeah, the way it's looking, they, I think they would have, I think somebody's going to make a run at, uh, at Jared Allen. We'll be maybe this is the year we see some restricted free agents actually switch teams. All right, so we have Suggs going to Toronto. We're going to take another break because this is where the draft gets fun. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring. At simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simply safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, guys. I'm the Orlando GM. What's my name? Who's the Orlando GM right now? I can't remember. Who is the KOC? Uh, we got um John John Hammond is their GM. <laughs> John and Hammond. Jeff, and, and then Je and then Jeff Weltman is with the Jurassic team as well. Park, you know. I th I think Jeff Weltman's their president of basketball operations and actually is the guy who runs the team. So if I'm John Hammond, I'm taking the three of you out with the rest of my uh, war room on the magic. And I'm just telling stories about what I saw in Giannis for five hours. <laughs> like, guys, you know, a lot of people said they didn't see this coming. I'm telling you, I did. I, I knew I would have <laughs> traded up for him. I knew we didn't need to. I, I would do the whole thing and just toot my own horn on that. All right. So everyone has Scotty Barnes going here at five. Nobody seemed to answer the question of, this guy might be a zero offensively other than the fact that he can dribble and people have glossed over it. Cause they're like, Hey, he can defend five positions. He's awesome defender. It's like, didn't we just see this with Ben Simmons where if the guy's a zero in the fourth quarter of big games, that's you're not winning a title. My goal is to win the title as the GM of the Orlando magic charts. What worries you about Barnes? A lot of, I've been a little surprised, honestly, how much. So like for one, Scotty Barnes really can't shoot like at all. It's not like he's has to tweak one or two things. He's got pretty much got a broken jump shot. He's got to fix it from the ground up. Number two, he's only, I would say, an average athlete. He's not a plus athlete. Like, he's an average athlete who really can't shoot. 
So to me, like I look at him more as a Kyle Anderson type. Like I think he's a good player. He's really smart. He's versatile defensively. But then I really worry if I'm Orlando, if I draft Scotty Barnes, then I've got like Wendell Carter who can't really shoot, Jonathan Isaac, Markel Full. Like no one can shoot on this team. It's the same problem as last time. Like to me, like Kyle drafting Lance. guys who can't shoot and aren't plus athletes in the top five is really, really a concern. Well, oh, I really about, wait Franz a second. Wagner. Yeah. Wait a second. You can't argue with the results. Oh, wait, you can. They've been terrible every year for <laughs> seven years. Yeah. Maybe stop drafting guys who can't shoot. I think it's I think it's a good strategy for my draft this year if I'm running Orlando. That's just my thought, anyways. I think I'm blown away Sharks. by the Kyle Anderson comp. You heard I that? Don't know, yeah, I, know, I, I know you're a big fan of of uh, Barnes. I, I can't. I can't even. I, I'm just. I'm perplexed. A good I'm like, lost for work. Now, he's not a plus athlete. He's got like a 40 inch vertical. He's got enormous hands, long arms. He can guard all five positions. I'll just respectfully disagree. I've seen Franz Bonner give him buckets. I'll tell you that. Plus athlete. Okay. <laughs> all right. You're gonna get petty with me. All right. No. I just. I think. <laughs> I, I think Barnes is really tough. I think he's he's similar to Green in that I think he's like got a big upside because he just is like consumed with basketball. I, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, and I I think that he does have some skill on the offensive end. Aside from the shooting, I mean, he's he's shown that he can be he guard he guards the ball. He's very Ben Simmonsy in that way. Like he'll guard the ball on one end, and on the other end, he's like a smart screener, like elbow creator, and he can pass. Um, I like him. I, I, I'm a big Scotty Barnes fan. And, and the thing with Barnes is you don't need to convince him to do those things like he did for years with Ben Simmons. Barnes is going to come in and right away and be like, what do you need me to do on the offensive end of the floor? You Shoot. want me to run the point? I'll do that. You want me to screen? I'll do that. And yeah, Charks, maybe like shooting will take some time. You're right. <laughs> like that could take some time. But I, I, I like Kyle said, I love Barnes and his attitude and his approach. And I'd be very happy with him at the fifth pick for the Orlando Magic. You have something in your draft guide, KOC. That sent chills down my spine. <laughs> your, sh your shades of Draymond Green. All right, that's looking good. Pascal Siakam. All right. Taller and bulkier Michael Carter Williams. That sounds I like, like that. a fucking that's nightmare. <laughs> Taller and bulkier Michael Carter Williams. That's a pretty good player. I Is think it? you need to comment on that. <laughs> you just explain Is that it one. a good player? I'm I might have to send you out of the war room for a walk. Um... <laughs> So is he an elite athlete or does he have an elite body? Well, well, the taller, bulkier Michael Carter-Williams kind of plays into what you were saying, Charks. If he can never shoot, at least you have a guy who can play great defense, who can pass, who's unselfish. unselfish. So I don't know. I mean, I, I look at it as a compliment, even though MCW, of course, has had his struggles in the NBA. He's, he's a plays for Orlando defender, potentially. <laughs> yeah, Another guy. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Uh, I have some news, guys. I hate to break this to the war room. I just flipped picks with OKC. I'm moving down. I'm not taking Barnes. OKC loves Barnes. They're fired up for him. I, I, I flipped pick. I got one of their 97 first round, unprotected first rounders. Which one did I want? Yeah, any any choices? Get one of the, uh, what do they have? They have Houston, maybe Clippers 2024, something like that. Uh, one, of the, one of those. I, have a, I got an unprotected pick. I moved down a spot. And OKC is in this spot, and they're taking Barnes. And good luck. The Barnes I'm okay door. with that trade. That's a yeah. cool trade. Okay. Yeah. I Kyle, like it for right them. That? I like it. I mean, for OKC, I wonder about it because it opens, like, the door to a lot of questions. Like, can you – just, like, the offensive kind of fluidity of, like, Barnes, Dort, Shea, Poku, 
insert any it's big. Good. What there. a weird team! Oh it, my god, I don't know. Maladone, I mean, maybe, all these dudes. Yeah, maybe you just take him and you assume things will. You just kind of go from there. I get nothing really set in stone for OKC anyway, so I guess they're they're might not even. It's pointless to think about fit when you're not fitting with something that makes sense to begin with, right? All right. Well, the good news is Orlando on the clock now again at six. We're in Kaminga range. Try to talk me out of this. KOC in the draft guide calls him a tantalizing athlete. Tantalizing. Someone almost like a veal chop. It's tantalizing. <laughs> Nicely cooked. Um, talk me out of Kaminga at six because potential upside wise, it's about as good as it gets. And I'm Orlando. I'm going nowhere. Why wouldn't I throw a dart at the dartboard and hope I hit with a franchise player? You might want a shot creator instead in a James Book night with Kaminga. You know, everything we just talked about with Barnes, with the concerns about the lack of a shot, you could say with Barnes, it's a little bit with Kaminga. It's a little bit different. It's the lack of feel for the game at this stage of his career. It's the lack of actual evidence of what the potential is. I mean, we've seen flashes of it being a shot creator. We've also seen him be a ball stopper and an inefficient outside shooter. We've seen him be a, a subpar decision maker. So What's the confidence level in him to reach that? What's the confidence and level in him to become an aware defender who hustles consistently? Those are big questions there. And so, you know, now that, you know, we, the magic have traded down with us, the Thunder, which I'm disappointed about. I was looking forward to your Sam Presti impersonation, Bill. But, mm. you know, maybe James Booknight here. I know Orlando has a lot of guards on their roster, but uh, I'm struggling to think of somebody else here unless you're wanting to look at a wing. But we still have the eighth pick as Orlando, too. Kyle, what do you think? Well, I just wanted to clear. You said you'd fire us if we tried to argue for Kaminga, so this is a safe place. I can talk about Kaminga I was here. trying to rope <laughs> you guys into making the case, and then I was going to flip out, but <laughs> KOC was appropriately scared of Kaminga. Go ahead. That's You're the, fired. That's, that's the only reaction, is to be appropriately scared. Uh, Kaminga, like, he's one of the most bizarre, like, it almost, he almost sometimes seems like, uh, what was that movie with Gary Shandling where he's pretending to be a human and it's like awkward. Oh, that, or what, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, forget what it's called. The but, Mike uh, Nichols movie. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, Kam wow. Kaminga is like that sometimes where it's just like, he's, in, he's like an alien impersonating a human out there. Like he'll do things that are like, yeah, that looks amazing. Like he, and then other times, like it, it's just a feel thing for him. Like he. He'll, uh, he, I mean, he's an, an amazing athlete. Like we talked about, like he's huge. I mean, I've stood near him before. He's like just a terrifyingly big person. I mean, crazy explosive. It, you're starting for it. You're kind of betting on your player development, I guess, is a big thing too. Like, do you think that he is so good that it's worth us taking him here because of the upside? Because there's been time. He was like consensus number one in his class, I think, at because he, he reclassified, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Pretty, yeah. He jumped up a year. So he's only so, 18. Um, that's that's the thing, right? Like, for as bad as he was in the G League last year, he was a year younger. He did take that was should have been his senior year of high school. So you're looking at an 18 year old with his kind of physical tools, and you're saying, okay, he was bad last year, yes, but that should have been expected given that his whole life he's been dominating on physical ability. For the first time, that wasn't enough. Maybe he'll adjust as a player now, right? Like it's not unusual for players to get better. Out of the top five at some point, he has the most star potential for sure, right? Like, if you're talking pure upside at this point, he has the highest upside. That's the one you want to take is the question. Well, the good news is the Magic have had no experience whatsoever with talented, raw forward prospects <laughs> other than the 19 they've taken over the last nine years. Um, here, here's why you don't take them here. Because the Warriors are at seven, and they're not taking them. So I know I can get them at eight. 
which leads me to BookMed. I think that has to be the pick. And if I can, instead of taking Barnes at five and him being the 10th magic lottery pick who couldn't make an outside shot and I have to go through that whole awesome, you know, on paper, he seemed perfect if he can only learn how to shoot. That's been the last 10 years of my life if I'm a magic fan. And I can trade down, I can get a nice asset and I can just take Book Knight. And that my only fear with Book Knight is... For such an awesome score slash shooter, why didn't he make more threes in college? What what happened there? Should we is the thirty one point three percent from three a red flag or is an aberration? It was a short season. It was weird. Like, what do we make of that, KOC? I mean, so he at the NBA draft combine and some of the videos we've seen from workouts, the shot looked more fluid. You know, he kind of had a rigid shot at UConn. So clearly, he's worked on it. He has you know pretty good touch. So I feel good about his shot based off the videos we've seen. We've been tricked before in the past, but I think the free throw percentage is high. The touch around the rim is high. Um, you know, I, I feel good about him both off the catch now based off the video I've seen and then off the dribble. He's always looked much more comfortable. He was my big out of the top 10 sleeper who now moved into the top 10. Sometimes See, if that I, happens. If I was OKC, I would love Book Knight and SGA together. That to me would be agree. a really awesome backcourt. Yeah. If I was OKC, that's what I'd be doing is putting those two guys together. Well, so I, I agree. So we think Book Knight goes sixth either way. I made up the fake trade as the as the as OKC and Orlando's GM, but if Orlando takes Barnes at five, I think okay, I agree with you. I think OKC takes Book Knight at six. He's clearly the type of guy who succeeds in the NBA and could have played in the finals that we just watched. And if I'm in the top ten, I am only thinking about am I getting a guy who could play in the finals I just watched? He clearly could, especially if his threes go up so are um, we sure are we sure i just kind of like have go we ahead give us the we're in the war room tell us make me nervous i just kind of feel like that we're doing the consensus thing where it's like book Knight's name has just sort of hovered over us in the air for the whole time we're like well he's the just the, the guy to talk about is is james book Knight like a cre like a true creator off of the bounce i mean like he was he scored pretty terribly in spot up creation points per possession he was an average ball handler uh, he, he didn't really blow your hair back in transition either. Is he better than Cam Thomas? Like, I just don't know about like the quality of the player and the upside here. I don't know about reaching for him here because I'm like, what, it, what is, what is he going to be in like five years? Is he going to be like dramatically better than this? Do I think he's going to develop into a guy who's going to be a high quality passer creator? Is he better than Cam Thomas? That's what I would throw to you guys. Like, well, and, that, and that's why Cam Thomas was number nine on KSC's draft guide. Cause there you go. It's really, yes. it's really hard to find these guys. Cam Thomas yeah. got the green room invite, but you know, I, I think everybody's looking at basketball the same way we are, where it's, you're just shoehorning these types of players and you watch the finals and it's like, all right, who is actually playing in these finals? What types of players? We had the Mikhail Bridges type of player. We had the DeAndre Ayton type of player. Chris Paul's an anomaly. You throw him out. Giannis is an anomaly. You throw him out, but it's either like the Brooke Lopez type of center who can space the floor on one end and protect the rim on the other, or the kind of heat check off the bench, the guy that the Suns really needed campaign to be, and he couldn't totally be right. The guy that the Bucks didn't have because Jeff Teague sucked, but that guy who can at very least come off the bench for 10 minutes and make some shots. Everybody wants that. I didn't know that everybody wanted a guy like Cam Johnson two years ago when we were making fun of that pick, but that's why the kid from Virginia, I think, has to come up a little sooner than maybe everyone expected. Because we know that guy's going to be able to play in a playoff series. You know, so I'm I'm taking Book Knight here. I don't, 
it's a couple spots too high, but I'm also getting somebody I really like. So, all right, now I'm running the Warriors. I'm Bob Myers. First of all, everybody likes me. I'm feeling great. I'm handsome. I have a couple rings. Great just, life's hair. going good. I, I work for Joe Lacob, the smartest owner in the NBA. According light to years Joe. ahead. Um, light, <laughs> miles, light years ahead. He's light years ahead. Everybody. You didn't make the worst draft mistake in the last 10 years last year, so it's all good. <laughs> I don't know that he did. Did he make the mistake or, never? you know, I don't know. Was it him? Wait, you're that what? down on the Wiseman pick now after this weird, weird year we just had? Compared After to watching LaMelo? Aiton in the playoffs? I mean, like, if you put LaMelo in Golden State, they're rolling right now. Like, they're back in the top of the league. To me, it's like, Wiseman oh, doesn't true. fit their system. And it's just, like, really going to hurt them. LaMelo on Golden State would be really fun. That would have been so fun to watch. I, about. I just saw, when you mentioned that, Sharks, KOC, I just saw, like, a gleam, and a sad gleam in his eye. Just a <laughs> split second as he was dreaming of Clay and Curry and oh, I mean it's showtime all, all together. Oh my god, thousand yards there. I, I, yeah. I want them to fix the mistake with this pick. So Verno, Verno asked you this on your podcast about everyone has Mitchell just going somewhere in here, and and I think all of us feel like there's a chance that he could slip if he doesn't go in the seventh spot or this eight spot. Who the problem if you're the Warriors? Who in this draft could you take at seven, especially if Book Knight's off the table and Scotty Barnes is off the table, that could you just know could play for you next year? Which well, is why, why I think they're going to trade this pick. I don't know what they're getting for it, but I just don't feel comfortable with anybody who's left as like, that guy can play 25 minutes in a playoff series. What do you well, think, KFC? Well, let's say this pick isn't traded and, and they have to pick yeah, they have seven to say They couldn't 14. make a trade. Yep. They're stuck no, no with trade, it. no Beal. He's not moving, you know, et cetera. Like, they got to stay here. The way I approach this, is go with upside, someone who could potentially help a little bit now still, upside at seven, and then certainty at 14. So at seven, like Davion Mitchell fits that criteria in terms of guy who can come in right away, play tough defense for you, make some shots, can play with or without the ball next to Steph and Clay. It makes sense. But the Warriors, like I said on, on the mismatch, there's some belief that he could be there at 14. Yeah, like, you know, as we're talking about with these upcoming teams, there's not a lot of great fits for him or teams that would want a 22 year old six foot point guard. So for Golden State, you have to think about Jonathan Kaminga because of the upside. Even if he bombs at least like at the seventh pick, you're getting value on a six, eight, you know, big scoring wing. I'm into that. But the other guy to think about here is the guy who played in the same league as LaMelo Ball, and that's Josh Giddy. Mm. Think about think about what Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston brought in terms of their offense, their shot creation ability, helping create for Steph and Clay. Giddy is one of the best passers in this draft, needs to improve as a shooter, needs to continue making progress as a defensor, defending player, especially on ball. But Giddy is a guy at the seventh pick that I'm really, really into the idea of for Golden State because I think he can play a little bit early off your bench, but also maybe grow into a guy that's, you know, one of the cornerstones of your franchise down the line. I had him marked down as well. It seems like there's, there's some giddy momentum just in general in this draft. One thing I like, look, the Australian stats, who the fuck knows, but I did like that. He, he gets rebounds, assists. He does kind of, he kind of checked the box score. I like guys like that. Kyle, are you pro or anti uh, giddy as a top 10 guy? Oh, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not like a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. Like totally for me, like not like, uh, yeah, not black and white. I, I like him just not here. Like, I just think in terms of like the warriors, if you need somebody that's ready to play now, like if this guy, 
he's going to be adjusting to the NBA. I don't even know if the is the NBL line the same as the NBA's. Is it twenty two nine or twenty three nine, whichever? I don't. He's going to be adjusting to a new line with a shot that needs to come a long way. What the Warriors need is like spacing. If teams can, is he going to be able to play with their stars? That teams are going to be playing into the gaps and helping. And I just don't. I don't know about that. Um, for me, I just uh, not at that spot. Not for them. Uh, even though I do, I do think that Josh Giddy's fun. I mean, he's a really good like spot at passer. Like when he get, he's big. When he gets into the teeth of the defense, he can hit the corners and things like that. But I just don't think that it's a good fit for me. Let me plug a guy. So my guy right here would be Franz Wagner. I think he's the underplayed like value in the back of the top ten. Uh, Franz Wagner. So that's Mo's younger brother, but a much much better athlete. He's a legit six foot nine. He can guard three positions, protect the rim, switch screens. He's a really smart player. I think he averaged like three assists on one turnover. Like he thinks the game at a high level. He's a decent shooter. Like he's the only only guy in this draft who can guard big wings and spread the floor. He's a good athlete, smart player. He can play right away. And like that's the most valuable kind of player now, really, right? For a role player. If you're six foot nine, you can guard three positions, you can move the ball, you can spread the floor. That's the kind of guy Golden State needs. He gives you 25 minutes a night right away. To me, Wagner is the guy, if it's at seven, eight, or nine, I think he's the guy who can really impact the team next season. So they have two ways they could go, right? A guy who can help us next year or best asset available for a trade. The problem is as soon as they take somebody like Kaminga, he's in every trade rumor from that moment on. I don't know if that really helps Kaminga or helps them. I'm with Sharks. I, I, I think it's got to be Wagner here because I think I can possibly get Mitchell later. And if I can't get Mitchell, I know I can get Duarte, who I think could definitely 100% play next year. I can get somebody who can play next year at 14. And then Wagner, they just don't have a guy like this. You know, and and I kept trying to think, like, I love Mitchell. I, I think Mitchell's going to be really good. And I think, I actually didn't mind that he was six feet tall. Because to me, it's like that just... To, he can stop the dames, all those type of guys. There's so few guys out there who can stay in front of the small, fast guys. The three-point shooting, the fact that he had the aberration year last year is my my biggest fear with him. A couple people have brought that up. Like, did he just, it was a weird season. Did he just get hot or was that the start of something real? And the fact that he's older, that's not great either. Wagner's only 19. Um, just feels like the kind of guy I could see playing with Curry and Thompson and in a way like, if they had had taken Wagner and Lamelo back to back, like they Oof, just would have had this be really oh, fun, uh, like flexible, weird team. But I love the Wagner. Wagner's pick. like good. Wagner's not falling out of the top nine, right? Like he will go one of the next three picks. So why wouldn't he just go here? I think twelve would be his floor, San Antonio probably. Yeah. If if the Kings passed him up, that would be stupid. Yeah. I would think the Kings. They're, they're a stats effect, team yeah. now. They would take the stats guy at Wagner and nine. The I Kings, think. yeah. And the thing about those war, the Warriors' fluidity of their offense for years ago, like people that that people underrate is that how much that like Livingston and Iguodala made a big difference for them, like in the playmaking that they mm. just injected its different spots within their offense. And like Sharks was saying, I think his upside on that front is good. He's high motored. I mean, he's mean as shit on defense. Like if you watch him, he's a lot like Mo. He's got a little bit of that wiliness in him. I just think he's he's and he's going to be ready to play. Yeah, he's he's twenty years old. So and he, yeah. he's uh, use him in different deceptively places athletic too. for sure. I didn't <laughs> you, say it. I didn't say you, it. You could use him at the elbow, like the you know the West Lee style playmaking. You can use him yep. as a screener and a Draymond roll spot up. Wagner could play anywhere from that Golden State system. All right, we're taking a break, then we're tackling the second magic pick. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? At first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about. Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just You're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also. It's nice outside. Get outside, do stuff. Or you don't have time to get outside. I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, I'm back to being the Orlando Magic GM. I have the eighth pick. Kaminga is on the board. It's so enticing. The upside. Can't believe he fell this far. Can you can you guys talk me out of this again? Who who am I taking if it's not Kaminga? There's a lot of rumblings in reality that this could be Moses Moody out of Arkansas. Oh. Uh, you know, potential, you know, long wing defender, you know, 6'5", long wing span, can shoot threes, do a little bit off the dribble for you. Kyle or Charks, are you guys big fans of Moody? I think he's I think he's a safe pick. Like Moody's one of the safest picks in the draft because he can shoot. He's got good size. He's just not very fast. Like you watch him sometimes. He's just moving in kind of slow motion. He's just not a very athletic guy. But I think he's I a very safe player. There are guys I'd probably take over in terms of upside, but if you want a safe pick, that's the safe pick. He'll be a good player in the NBA for a long time. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I, mean, I think he's going to be an efficient catch and shoot. I, I like there are some fits I like for Moody better, but I think that for what they need here, um, I think it would be a good pick for them. I mean, well, what do you think about like like dissonance between like Cole Anthony and Davion Mitchell? Do you think that they could play together? Can you play those two guys side by side? How does that work? I was just if we're contemplating Davion Mitchell, <laughs> do you contemplate that at all? Yeah, I just I'm not caring about Cole Anthony's feelings with my pick. Like like he's. <laughs> I I just want to get, I have to get two good players on the Magic, right? So it's like, and if he can't totally play with Cole Anthony, it'll be fine. I, I guess like they, it's one of those things where you have a bunch of guys with potential to every position, but no keepers. Do we think the Magic have a single keeper right now? Isaac and Bamba? Isaac. Bamba, stop it, chaos. <laughs> I'm going to kick you out of the war room. <laughs> Jesus. Even Carter Jr., we, are, we, are we including him in that? I think Isaac's the keeper. Everyone I still like Carter Jr. Kyle and I still like Carter Jr. Can we just talk about Garuba here for one second? Ooh, Love Garuba. Garuba, interesting. Jamaica. Are we like you have him twelfth on this? He's going to be wherever he goes. People are going to be like, "Oh, I like that pick." Like, why can't he just go in the top eight? I don't understand. Like, I know that guy's going to be a good NBA player. We've already kind of see it with that Spain USA game. I was like, all right, this guy belongs in this game. 
and for the stuff that he does, 6'8", 229, 19 years old, um, he's just a guy that we know who he is, right? It's like, uh, who's the who's the dude, um, the USC dude that Atlanta took who just hurt his shoulder? Like, same thing. Okongwa. Um, he's just like, oh, I know what that is. And with Garuba, it's like, I know what that is. I can see him in these playoff games. So why wouldn't I just take him eighth? Well, because you Can't have Bo shoot. Bamba and Wendell Carter. <laughs> How many centers do you want to have on this team? I mean, but that's a like, tough thing for Orlando, though, isn't it? Like, there's so many guards. There's so many bigs. Like, I, I, I'm at a point with the Magic. It's like, forget about what you have and just take the player that you feel is the best. And, you know, it works itself out over the course of time. I, I think it's a little bit different than, like, Cleveland. With Cleveland, you want Mobley both for talent and fit reasons with Orlando at five and eight or six and eight with our mock here. It's like, I don't care about what I have already. It's just about getting the best guys. Okay. So it's either the best guy right now is Mitchell. The upside guy is Kaminga. So what are we doing? Kyle, you you get first vote. Those are your two choices. Oh, I'm not gosh. taking Moses Moody. It's too high for him. I'm sorry. That's true. I agree with you. Uh, Let's. I mean, we got to go Kaminga for the upside. I don't. I don't think that that's a gamble that's gonna. It's a worth it. It's. It's a worthy gamble. I think, regardless of what we have, we'll figure it out later. Let's take Sharks. Yeah, I mean, if you're at eight, like Kaminga's the same size as Garuba, but he's a wing. Like at some point, you got to take the talent. I mean, you already had one safe lottery pick. I say go with Kaminga. Yeah. KOC. Let's go with Kaminga right now. I think it's the right pick because you think like a year ago. There was no scenario where he wasn't one of the top five picks unless he got hurt. So now it's like, do you overreact from some admitted red flags and some other stuff? But this, it just seems like destiny to have him on the magic. Come aboard, Kamingo. You can join it us with all of, like our, all of our other disappointing lottery forwards. All right, the Kings are nine. Mitchell, I think, is a cross-off for them just with the type of team they have. And this is a weird part of the draft. There's some some Joss Giddy potential here because if you have him and Halliburton, I just would want to be on that team. I think those would be two really fun guys to play with. Um, who would be your choice here, KOC? Um, so you're Monte McNair here. Uh, yes. You love numbers, analytics. I'm Monte you're McNair. Just, I can't believe yeah, I, I gave up Bogdanovich for nothing, yeah. but <laughs> I, I just don't want going. you to bring it up in the war room right now. Go ahead. So you like numbers. Well, how about Alper and Shengun? Turkish big man, oh, eight, 18 years God. old, averaged 19 points per game, vintage low post style score, except he also flashes some pretty wild ability from the perimeter. He has some step back threes, some wild jumpers off the dribble, has great touch from the line, from near the rim. I think it's pretty easy to project him as becoming a guy who can be really effective on the post, really effective as a passer from all over the floor and a good three-point shooter for you. So I love the offensive potential of Shengun. And if he can figure out and become a good positional defender, I mean, sign me up on Shengun. I think he could be a major steal in this draft, especially for the Kings at number nine. So you have him 18 in the draft guide. Is that just because that's your uh, sense uh, of where the... Th yeah, that's the mock. Yeah, I have him yeah, 10 on my personal so you... board. Yes, yeah. I like that pick too. I Listen, I only saw this on YouTube, but he's just... It, it's really impressive. And especially at this point of the draft, it's like, this is the kind of guy who four to eight years from now will destroy Team USA in some international basketball game. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, we can't stop this guy. Kyle, are you on board with this? Because I actually like that. I like this spot for him. 
Yeah, there's enough there to be enticed. I mean, I know people have kind of compared. I, I went back specifically and was watching. I mean, people have used like Jokic's, like kind of what he showed at the same age as like a comparable thing for like growth plate for, for Shingun. I don't know that the, the tools were like more apparent earlier with Jokic from what I was seeing, just going back and seeing it. So, um, But I mean, one thing, I won't surprise you at all, KOC, with this. I mean, he just has like tractor beam hands. He catches everything. So like you imagine him playing like dump off passes to him. Mm. He, he finishes things you so wouldn't good. expect him to because he's not quite as big. I mean, I think he's more in the Nurk role. Like I don't, I don't know that I totally trust the shooting, but he does shoot with touch. You know, if they get him in there, it, I think there is potential there. Uh, just a really clever player. I think he's going to get picked on defensively. That's not good for the Kings because they've been really bad defensively for, I don't know, checks watch forever. Uh, so there, <laughs> there are those questions. But his uh, like a year from now, if he came back, he might be you know a higher pick in the future because he would show more. So take him now. It's a player you might not have the chance to get in the future. Um, I understand that pick. I'm good with it. 18 years old. What do you think, Charks? That is the question, right? It's like... If you're the Kings, do you want to build an up-tempo team around Fox and Halliburton? Shengun, he needs to be, I mean, he's a half-court player. Like He needs to get the ball in the post, do his thing. That'd be my, I get the idea of going for a star here, though, if you're Sacramento at nine. Like, I get it. I, I'd be, it's a big risk, but I, I can, KOC made a good argument. I mean, I'm not against it, I guess. It's, it's a risk, though, for sure. Because like, like Kyle said, you're already an awful defensive team, and you're getting probably the slowest big man in the draft on top of being... So now you have guys getting penetration plus a guy who can't move his feet. Like you're going to be with the worst defense team in the league probably next season again. Well, you think they're probably going to be one of the three worst teams in the West again, unless they trade this pick and try to go for it. But at the spot we're in the draft, I'm not positive how much value it has. Um, could they get, could there be a Fox at number nine for Ben Simmons type of thing? Who knows? But this seems like the right pick for upside. Um, if I'm the Kings, it's not like I really like my identity that much anyway. Like the only guy I really know is going to be on the team three years from now is probably Hal Burton. Who knows? Really? You think else. Fox is going to be moved? You think that's going to happen? I don't know. Is Fox an all-NBA guy? Is he ever going to be an all-NBA player? Or is he that level below? Is he that in that Mike Conley zone? Or is it even fair to compare to Mike Conley? Because Mike Conley at least was in playoff games, you know? I don't know. I just think there's better. a lot of good point guards. He needs to get way more efficient in the half court. Like it just it just has to happen. He's been so inconsistent as a three-point shooter, so inconsistent as a shooter inside the arc. Like, like you said, Charks, they're an up-tempo team. They want to play fast. But even if you want to play fast, like 80% of your possessions are still half-court possessions. And like Fox needs to get better there. And I think that's where like someone like Shengun could help in terms of facilitating and creating shots for those other guys. Like, I would love the chemistry between Halliburton and Shengun. With those guys playing off of each other, I, I think it could be really, really exciting to watch for Sacramento. And then you Some figure YMCA it out with Fox. basketball right there, Halliburton and Jim. high IQ. <laughs> yeah. How well, about this? IQ. What if the Knicks call and say, "We'll give you quickly seventeen and twenty-one for Fox"? Hanging Let's up. Call it in the league. Hanging up. Hanging up. Yeah. Oh, if I was the Knicks, I'd do it in a second. I'd drive Fox to New York myself. That's a great trade. Oh yeah. New York. Oh my god. Definitely for yeah. Knicks. Yeah. What else would the Knicks have to throw in to get the Kings' attention? RJ, what's good? All right, yeah. So RJ yeah, has RJ. to be in that trade. I think. I think you're right, Sharks. All right, that'd be next interesting. Pick. Next pick is the tenth. Oh, I get to be David Griffin. So, guys, um, before we start the war room here in the Pelicans thing, I just want—I'm David Griffin. I'm the GM. I've been here the last couple of years. 
Can you please not mention that we have to dump two salaries that uh, I willingly acquired less than a year ago and then extended one of them? Um, can just nobody bring that up? I get it. But so in Adams, it's $45 million of just a complete disaster. We're probably going to lose Lonzo for nothing, which and which is going to be a problem because he's probably going to be really good on his next team. And I think I'm probably going to have a Ringer Podcast Network podcast in about a year. Um <laughs> Anyway, who do you guys like at 10? What do you have, Kyle? <laughs> I was going to say, you sound like the concert promoter from Woodstock 99, just like, <laughs> just aggressive. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, I, I know I really like bad. David Griffin. I think he's a nice guy. I just think he's done a really bad job as the Pelicans guy. It's just indisputably not a great job. Kyle, who do you like at number 10? Well, it's the thing that everybody wants. Uh, it's I, I think it's shooting, playmaking, shooting, 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 playmaking. That's what you got to try to get here. I mean, like... I, do you want? I guess it's a question of do you want somebody that can play sooner than later? I mean, the best shooters that are still available on the board, I think that you could start thinking about guys like Trey Murphy here. You could start thinking about guys like Kispert, guys that have like movement shooting upside. Um, Chris Duarte, I think you could reasonably start talking about him there. Um, I'm not as high on Murphy as other people. Um, I would start thinking about like... I would think about Moody, Moody here. That's who I picked in our mock draft. I'm also a big Zaire Williams guy. I know Ooh, not everybody I like else it. is. Kyle, give him the Zaire Williams he, push. He's great. I mean, I basically should be his agent at this point. Like, he's huge. He's basically Cam Reddish, and I he's like a, he's really just aggressive on defense. He cares about defense. Uh, yeah, he's like six ten. He's got like a seven foot wingspan. I think he's going to be a defensive monster, and I think he's going to shoot well off the catch. Like. I think he's the type of player that would do really well for them. Um, but, you know, they might be able to get him later, potentially, if they move around some. It'd be either be him or Moody for me, honestly. That's kind of where I am on that. But I think that Zaire's upside is higher, much, much higher than Moody. How about Davion Mitchell here? But you so already have a, Tyra Lewis. Right? You do. Yeah. Is, it, is it a bad thing to have another playmaking guard in the backcourt? I'm just throwing the name out there, not arguing for him, but I'm just curious. I like Tyra Lewis. Just, I give him a chance to play. It just feels like they're Kispert waiting to happen. I think Kispert would be a fair pick here. Him or Giddy. I mean, I think with Kispert, like different types of player, Kispert, he's more than a shooter. Like everybody says he's a, you know, just a shooting specialist. He does more off the dribble for you in terms of attacking closeouts, making the right pass within the flow of the offense. Like he's a really smart player and a really rock solid defender. So I, I would love Kispert at number 10 if Pelicans keep the pick. Um, but I think Giddy also, like similar, like in terms of providing that upside, if you do lose Lonzo Ball, if you do lose him for nothing, with Giddy, you get another playmaker with size into your lineup and you bring him in with Fred Vinson, one of the best shooting coaches in all of basketball, who's already helped out Brandon Ingram, who's already helped out Lonzo Ball and Zion for that matter. Get, get him connected with Giddy. I, I would be very, very interested to see what the results are in three, four years. I like the thought of Mitchell here just because of the the defense and the three-point shooting. And I I don't care if I already have Kyra Lewis. Like I'll I, now I have both of them. I'm losing if I'm losing Lonzo, why wouldn't I take Mitchell here? He's the kind of guy I feel like if I'm trying to keep Zion from being the first guy ever to leave his rookie contract and go sign as a free agent somewhere else. I just want guys who are ready who he's gonna respect as like dogs in the fight with him, basically. And uh, and I don't know why Mitchell's not 
mentioned here. Moody was the other guy I was looking at and Kispert. What do you have, Sharks? I was going to say it's funny because my comp for Mitchell is Eric Bledsoe. I think that's a pretty fair comp for him. <laughs> Talking about a six foot one plus athlete, elite defender, streaky shooter, very ball dominant, needs the ball, goes to the rim player. Like I like Mitchell a lot in some situations, but in New Orleans, like they need spot up shooting, right? If you want to make Zion happy, yeah. spread the floor for him. He hasn't had that at all in his first couple of years there. All right, so Kispert's our best spot-up shooter that's left. I think he's the most e efficient volume. Like, you could run him off screens all day long. Just run it. Just run him. More diversions to pull gravity away from Zion. Is there, you know, I think we have hesitation to take Kispert here just because it seems too high. But isn't this sort of an echo of what went on a few years ago with uh, with Cam Johnson? We were just like, oh, way yeah. too high. But it was just like okay, a perfect but fit. Cam can guard though. Like that's be like Cam yeah. is a much better defensive prospect than Kispert, like significantly. To be yeah, fair. that's a good point. And, and, sure? and a bit, way better athlete. Yeah, are, are uh, yeah I'm sure. sure. With, with, uh, yeah. Cam Johnson was coming off like major hip surgery. Yeah. Kispert, you know, he plays. He was hard. six foot nine though, and he can move. Like Kispert, six foot six, six foot seven, doesn't have the same quickness. Almost sort of like a different class of wing, you know, just like a bigger wing so. versus a smaller wing. Yeah. You know what's interesting with Kispert? The worst thing that happened to him was he sucked in the title game, right? And athletically, yeah. he seemed a little overwhelmed. But what if he just had a bad game? Like he was good all year. That team was undefeated. He was one of the most important pieces of it. He kind of looks like Kyle Brandt of the ringer a little bit. He looks a little Kyle Brandt. <laughs> he does look like Kyle Brandt. <laughs> um, <laughs> even in the draft guide photo. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need to be good next year with Zion. If, and I, I'm not positive they're keeping this pick, but at least I know this guy will be able to make threes from different parts of the floor with Zion on the court. And I think but I, I would, have to take him. I would say Moody gives you that plus more long-term defensive potential. It's like Moody's going to give you that. Moody's a really good shooter. Like you draft Moody here. Okay, we got the spot-up shooter. Plus he can defend two positions. Kispert probably is never going to defend. All right, so you're voting for Moody. What do you have, Kyle? Moody or Kispert? I've narrowed it down to those two. Man, I'm feeling a little crazy right now. I might have talked myself into Kispert. Like, I, he can get white hot. I mean, do yeah. you want to like like the if you do you want to weigh the plus plus upside of his shooting? I mean, we saw if you have the right type of team, you can hide a shooter like that. We saw that with Duncan Robinson, similar size, yep. similar defensive challenges. Like the plus plus shooting is so valuable. I think it could help me next year. Um, I don't know. I, I'll I'll say I kind of like the I like the Kispert there. I don't like I like it better than I like Moody. Actually, I've talked myself out of it. Honestly, uh, I'm with I'm with Kyle there. I, I think Kispert gives you more certainty the next couple of years because you know making Zion happy entering his free agency is incredibly important for the Pelicans here. And with Kispert, I'd love the fit there. I, I'd be excited to see what he could do. Great, Sharks. You have to bounce right. Uh, this is my this is my cue. Yeah. Sharks, it was awesome having you in the war room. We really appreciated it. Uh, All right, guys. We can read and listen to Sharks, Sharks this week. Thanks, Sharks. We're going to take one more break, and then we'll finish uh, 11 through 15. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code SIMMONS for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. 
That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. What you use in your personal care routine matters, so upgrade your lineup with Dr. Squatch. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients. That'll have you looking and smelling your best, like their wood barrel bourbon bar soap and lotion or their bay rum deodorant. They even have some limited edition soaps like their Avengers and Star Wars collections. Those seem like they'd be fun to try. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons or use the code Simmons at checkout. All right, we're coming back. Sharks is gone, but we are going to do, uh, we'll do five more picks because these five are really fun. So we have Charlotte. Everybody's like, Charlotte needs a big guy. Kai Jones is not my cup of tea, just so you guys know. Not perennially the type of guy I like. If they're taking a big guy here, why wouldn't they just take Garuba? I wish we had Sharks to argue on behalf of Kai Jones That's here. He wrote, he, he wrote a great article about him on TheRinger.com, which people can check out if they want to. But with Garuba, you are getting more certainty with what he can bring on the defensive end of the floor. You know, like you said in that Spain-USA game, Bill, like he can bring it. He can get stops across multiple positions. With Kai Jones, I mean, if you're Charlotte here, you have a young, potential blossoming star in LaMelo Ball. I'm really into the idea of Kai Jones here just because of like, he's so raw and you don't know what he's going to become necessarily, but I can at least foresee him becoming a, a rim running big who can get up and down the floor for you, block some shots inside. He can switch screens potentially like, like he, he, what he struggles at doesn't matter quite as much for Charlotte because LaMelo is going to be handling the ball so much. Like you don't have to worry about him quite as much as being a decision maker at the top of the key because of the way you run your offense. So I, I think Kai Jones here with the balance of role-playing potential and three years, in addition to really high long-term upside with as raw as he is, I, I'd take a swing for the fences here. I like the point Sharks made in that piece about how Texas has weirdly done a good job. Yeah. At- at pumping up big guys that at least seem competent in NBA games, who do you like here, Kyle? It's a good point that you're making about Lamelo. I mean, Lamelo is the I said this in the past, but I like Lamelo is the type of playmaker, like talent wise, that if you are a big guy and you can run and jump and chew gum, he's gonna just feed you over and over again. It's this Dwight Powell thing, like you know the way Luca just makes Dwight Powell look great. It's a uh, no offense to Dwight Powell, but uh, yeah, Kai makes sense there. I do like Garuba, like positionally. I think you kind of come into a situation where, I mean, you have PJ, you have Miles, you have Garuba, like those those four guys together. I think that Kai makes sense as like a as a vertical spacer. Who's their other like legit pick and roll vertical spacer on that roster? KOC off the top of your head, you remember Co- Cody Zeller, who's a free yeah, agent. Yeah, he's a free <laughs> not, agent. So, so not, more, not very vertical. <laughs> right. I right. mean, it, it does make sense on that level. I'll throw one to you here. I mean, like does and I I've actually heard some rumblings. I don't think that they'll do it here, but. What do you think about Isaiah Jackson here? I know you're going to make fun of me, KOC. But like, I'm not, that's a I'm vertical not a big, spacer. Yeah, he's a, he's a vertical spacer. I'm not the biggest it's fan of him. too early for him. Yeah, it's too early. I mean, I, I get the idea of it. And I, I think it's also worth mentioning here, Charlotte's been connected to Miles Turner in trade talks. Unclear if that involves the number 11 pick, but if you are going for a big in a trade, does that change the equation with what you're targeting here in the draft? Would you maybe go for a wing instead? 
You know, like it, like we've mentioned Giddy a bunch of times here, still on the board. I maybe for San Antonio, he's the perfect fit there with this next pick. But is there any logic to doing it? We've seen Lamelo uh, share the ball with Terry Rozier. He shared the ball with Devontae Graham. Having another wing who can handle for you, I'm I'm intrigued. But the idea of Giddy, even though I lean towards a big at this spot, I like the Giddy lane for this reason. I think it's really easy to find big guys who can run and jump now in free agency and all over the place. Cause really teams can only play one. There's only one guy per roster at this point, you know, some, some teams might have to, but really it's one per roster. It always seems like you could trade for them. And the fact that Atlanta got Capella for what they got two years ago, who's like the finished best possible version of Kai Jones. I don't like the idea of taking big guys this high when it's such a perimeter league now. You know, when I just feel like I can get guys later, I can get Nick Claxton with the 32nd pick or whatever, you know? That was um, a travesty, yeah. I think, uh, I really like the thought of Giddy here, even though it doesn't fit the big guy thing. I like getting LaMelo high IQ, malleable, fun to play with guys, like more of those types that he can toys for him because he's the guy I'm building around, right? I can go get runner jumper guys. They're available. I can get them every year. There's five I can go get. But the the to find other malleable, high IQ passer guys, I don't know. I, I think this is the right spot for Giddy. Mm, and, Spurs are disappointed right now, then. Yeah, great. That's another reason to take them. All right, we're taking <laughs> Giddy. So the Spurs, this would be their backup. The, so I would assume their Garuba waiting to happen, but let me yeah. just make the case really quick for... Isn't Mitchell like a very Spursy kind of guy? I know they're they have uh, you know, DeJounte Murray, they got Derek White, but it's not like I don't know. It's not like they've won a few titles with those guys. Like and they feel pretty tradable too, either of those two. So I just say like Mitchell just seems Spursy to him. I don't think they'll take him here, but I just want to bring it up. Low salary there for San Antonio. You mentioned if you want to flip Murray or White, they're both making around $15 million the next three years for Murray and the next four years for White. So like that option could be there quite easily if Mitchell were the pick here. I mean, ultimately, like for San Antonio, I'd be crushed. No Giddy, no Shengun, no Wagner. I'd be very disappointed with just like the style there. Um, I mean, I think Garuba, Garuba makes a lot of sense for this roster. Uh, I don't yep. love the front court next to Pirtle. Neither of those guys can shoot, which is why I like Shengun more because I see shooting potential with him. But, you know, Garuba could be the best pick available here. So I, I'd be happy with Garuba um, instead of Davion Mitchell. Kyle, what do you have? Uh, an underrated thing I was going to tack on about uh, Garuba is he might be the best interior passer in the draft. Like he is yeah. a very, very clever passer around the basket. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He's very a Kongwu-esque, honestly, in terms of like size and measurements. His hands are amazing. He's got super long arms, smart defender. I like I like defensively. He he is a playoff level defender, I think, in the next few years, honestly. And he is Spursy. They like guys like that. And I don't know, I don't know what his shooting upside is. I mean, that would take it to a whole nother level because of the passing and, and the IQ is there. Um, if if he does become a better shooter, we know they have a history of that. Uh, it's a game changer for them. So should we All be right. thinking about a wing here, though, for them? I mean, like a Moses Moody. I mean, well, they might lose to Rosen for nothing. Rudy Gay's a free agent as well. Patty Mills is a free agent. They could be losing a lot of guys that play wing or shot creators for you. Is there Moody or Murphy? I can is sign those guys, about? though. I have okay. I have cap space. And I got Kel Kelda Johnson. 
lot more run for him next year, right? Mm. Coming off a, a bronze, maybe? Yeah, coming off a bronze or we'll seventh place finish for Team USA. <laughs> I like Garuba, and, and I'm calling it in. I'm going to tell Pop once he finishes losing another game, we have Garuba coming. All right, Pacers at 13. Really fun team for the draft and for these next two weeks, just because it seems like everyone on the team is probably available except Sabonis. I don't see Carlisle's got to be in heaven with Sabonis. That's like his type of guy. Other than that, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, everyone was available. Um, are we sure Mitchell isn't like the most Pacers-y type of guy that they've taken in years past? Like ready to go, tough. We've seen guys like him succeed there. Um, they're pretty deep at guard, I guess would be the one thing. But if they're going to make trades, maybe you take Mitchell and and kind of figure it out. Duarte, obviously, if they think they're going to be good next year. Um, Cam Thomas, who hasn't gone yet, and I think we all think this is right around the range for him. And then let's have the Zaire conversation right now. Zaire Williams, who, um, look, we see this happen every year. There's a guy who is like a top five guy, top seven guy, whatever. They go to college. They have kind of a fucked up one-year freshman season. People fall way off them, overreact to the season. I don't know, man. I, I did some research on this because he was such a big guy at Sierra Canyon. And I remember watching him in high school and it was like he was hurt at the start of the Stanford thing. Um, the Stanford thing just seems like it went badly, but the whole season was weird. And now this guy who's 6'8", who um, really has the type of athlete that you're looking for at that position, but he sucked last year in college. How much do we overreact to that, KOC? I don't know if we're overreacting necessarily. He he still could go mid first round, um, maybe late lottery even, which is why we're talking about him here. So I think the concerns with him, the fact is, is that he's a fluid, you know, silky smooth ball handler. Like he looks great with the ball in his hands and with his size, but the shooting ability, very raw. You know, in terms of the defensive ability, you can feel good about that, but he's still skinny, very, very skinny, 190 pounds. How, what position does he defend exactly? Is he quick enough to defend quick guards? Is he strong enough to defend bigger forwards? There's question there. The finishing at the rim is concerning. So he's a project for Indiana. I'd rather go with somebody that I feel like you mentioned Mitchell could come in right away and play. I think Cameron Thomas. He would be in consideration mm. here. He just worked out with Indiana last week. Cameron Thomas could be a nice balance in that backcourt next to Brogdon or Karis LeVert. I'd really like the Thomas pick or the Mitchell pick here more so than Williams. Uh, but I'm curious, Kyle, because you're the one who loves Zaire Williams. Uh, let me think of yet another way to defend him. No, I was going to say like a year ago, <laughs> a similar guy that that had a similar trajectory, trajectory that you were describing, Bill, was Jaden McDaniels. And he yeah. had a really weird year. And... Another thing with Zaire is he had kind of a nagging knee injury, and I'm pretty sure there were COVID protocol issues with him. Yeah, like yeah. the the big thing for me is like I think that the strength is is a lot. It's a lot like Jalen Green. Like the strength, once it comes into the factor, it's gonna he is he is a reddish e reddish ish type player. He'll get stronger. I think that it's gonna come around. Like he is a legit six like six nine six ten. Um, I like him there. I could see why. Uh, I could I could see the skepticism. Um, I wouldn't mind taking him there at all because I'm so high on him. So I, I, I would stick with that. So one thing I forgot, TJ McConnell's a free agent, probably not coming back. I'm guessing. I really like Aaron holiday I, as like a third guard. I've always wanted to see him just get more of a chance, but, um, you could make a case that they could take Mitchell here. Brogdon, who knows if he's on the team six months from now, Mitch could come right in. 
give you some defense, all that other stuff. So for me, it's like, I like Mitchell. We haven't had Moody go anywhere yet, right? We have not. And then the other one is, uh, is Cam. So I don't know. You guys, you guys tell me. Can I ask a question? Yeah. In five years, who's better, Jaden Springer or Davion Mitchell? Do we have a lot of exposure to, to Jaden Springer here? I think he could be the best on-ball defender in the draft. Like, I really do think that that's possible. Do you think, think Jaden Springer is being underrated because of the shot creation concerns that some people have? Yeah, but what was... yeah? What, that sounded smart, Alex. Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> yes, but like a few years ago, I mean, the, Davion Mitchell had the same kind of questions. I'm just saying, you know, we got to kind of take a look at where we are in their development. Uh, I'm a big Springer believer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind going Springer there here, too. I mean, I... Hmm. I hate that Davion keeps sliding and falling, but I, I just kind of look at the age. I look at the height. I look at the upside. I like him, but um, I have some other guys here, especially Indiana. Where are you going? Like, you know, if you can get a guy here that that could be a major player for you in the future for a good deal, it's it's worth considering, I think. I'm zagging. I think Indiana underachieved last year because they had a terrible coach. The team revolted on him halfway through the year. I think they did have talent. And I think if you add Mitchell in the East, there's not even eight good East teams. And Mitchell, I think, could play right away. I think he could be a really good defender for them, worst case scenario, and hit some threes. And I think he fell too far. So I think I'm taking Mitchell here for the Pacers. I'm into it. I'm into Kevin it. Pritchard, I think he's Carlisle's kind of guy. Um, if our friend Haralabob is helping Carlisle, I have no idea if that's happening or not. But Mitchell's in the Haralabob vortex. So we'll see. All right. So that brings us to the Warriors. So the Warriors, everybody seems to feel like at 14, they're just going to take a guy who's ready to go, right? Duarte. So Chris Duarte has yeah. just been linked here. 24 years old is the only red flag, which is a massive red flag. The list of 22 and over guys and the kind of careers they have, it is a little spotty. Similar to Cam Johnson there. Well, are we sure Zaire Williams, we talked about would the Warriors want an upside guy? Are we sure this isn't the upside guy for them to take Zaire Williams at 14 and to just kind of put him in Draymond Wiggins school? You don't like that idea, no, KFC? I, I okay. don't like it. I mean, we just took Franz Wagner with their first pick at number seven. Here, I mean, like, let's so inject some So you want some somebody more. who can play. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I want somebody who can inject some more scoring into this team. I know you have Stephen Curry. I know you have Klay Thompson. I know that. Like, But you need other guys who can create from the perimeter. Okay. And I just wanted to talk it out. Yeah. Cam Thomas, like to me, I think he can come in right away and provide that spark off the bench for you. He can provide the spark. I think he's a better passer than he needed to be at LSU. They needed points from him. He averaged 23 points per game, 1.4 assists. He was not a playmaker there. But plugging him into this Golden State offense where they move the ball around, I would love to see what he can do because I think, you know, despite the low passing numbers, he's a smart player. You can see it in the way he cuts to the rim and the way he moves off ball. So I'd love to see the experiment adding Cameron Thomas into this warrior system and add that spark off the bench. And he could grow into somebody that starts for you sometime down the line, four, five, six years from now when Steph is getting old. One of the things you have in your draft guide for pluses for Cam Johnson is skilled off-ball cutter who can relocate or come off screens from all angles and drain shots thanks to pristine footwork. That sounds a little warrior-y. Mm. That's huge I like. Them. I like this pick more. I really think, I think Duarte is going to be good next year. 
Like, I, I really think he's going to come in and just be a good player where we'll be like, wow, that guy's good. Um, to his age, he is what he is. And he was kicking the ass of all these young dudes. I think if you're the Warriors, you still have to get like a little bit of upside with these picks because at some point the, your, your core is getting a little older and you want those guys to move in. I think Cam Thomas is the best pick here. What do you think, Kyle? I think players like Cam Thomas have existed within, if we're just imagining the Warriors offense as a template, you talked about the cutting, like they, it always helps for them to have just like this hurricane of offense of like confident offense. Maybe we had it like in the lesser degree of like Nick Young, but we've also had like Leandro Barbosa comes in you, and you're hmm. pulling, you have these, cause there are always these simultaneous things going on with the Warriors. There's the off ball offense. And then there's just some other kind of action and you have to, you have to watch one or the other. And if Cam Johnson's a guy that can kind of like microwave, get hot. Uh, yeah. Like Barbosa, we saw, um, in later yeah, they, years, they're yeah, kind of they, built for guys like that. Their yeah. infrastructure, guys like that have thrived. I'm with you. Super confident. Right. I think that's the right pick. As much as fun as it would be to see Duarte on that team next year. And Duarte is my kind of guy. Like he's a big shot, does the whirl around fist pump, double clutch. Like he's <laughs> one of those guys. I love those guys. He's just like a really fierce competitor. And I'd like to see him in a playoff series. Seems like the kind of guy who's going to end up on a Chris Vernon team. He's a Chris Vernon type of guy. Um, the Wizards Guy, are at 15. Guys who don't suck, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wizards at 15. Who the hell knows? Who's going to be on the Wizards in two, in two three weeks? I, I think this is where the draft gets, kind of goes off the rails. So maybe we stop here. I think if you're the Knicks, you're hoping for Duarte at 19, I'm, I'm guessing. Because that that's actually, if he gets by the Warriors, it's going Wizards. I guess the Wizards could take him too. Uh, Thunder. Grizzlies. Now that that's that's such a Grizzlies team uh, pick. OKC not taking him, and then uh, the Knicks at nineteen. So he'll he'll go somewhere in there. It'd be interesting if he falls all the way to twenty to the Hawks, because mm. he's playing for the Hawks. That's that's happening. We didn't have Trey Murphy going anywhere. This is right around the range for him too, and that that was one for the Wiz. I thought Trey Murphy would be. This is the right spot for him. Yeah, Trey Murphy, Moses Moody, right yeah, here. Or Duar guys. Duarte, too. Could make sense if they were to keep Bradley Beal because of his readiness. You'd get to try to win now. But I I'd lean towards Murphy or Moody for the Wizards, even if you are keeping Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. All right, before we go, because the draft's Thursday, your big sleeper, Kyle Mann, is? Oh, man. You said it already. Oh, Zaire? Or no, who? well, Zaire, yeah, he doesn't count as a sleeper because he was so p high pedigree. Who was the guy you mentioned who was in like the 28 range? You mentioned him earlier, like a half hour ago. Oh, um, Jaden Springer. Jaden Springer, he's in there too. Um, I know you teased me. I think BJ Boston could end up being a good player. Um, I like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. That's another guy that I oh, think yeah, like, I like the him. Warriors should try to go get him. That's my opinion. Like he can hit threes, he's big, smart player. Um, there, there's a lot of guys like that that I think are going to be ready to go. Matthew Hurd is another guy that I think is interesting. Have you guys seen him a lot? Bill, have you seen I'm Matthew like, Hurd? No. He's got a Larry Bird two-motion jump shot. Like, I think you would like <laughs> Matthew Hurd. Like, I, he's an oh, interesting player. I like the two-motion jump shots. How about how about Jones out of Alabama? You a fan of him, Kyle? Yeah, I was going to say. Versatile defensive player. Can handle the ball for you. He doesn't shoot much, but he can do a lot else for your team. I Like, smart player, plays hard. I'm really into Jones. Lefty. I, I have my list of mm. best interior passers, and he's on there. Him him and Gruba yeah, and Mobley. That's a yeah. good one. Short roll playmaking. Ooh, it'd be nice to watch him with a mm -hmm. shot-making 
guard like Dame or something like that. Mm. Who's who's your go to sleeper now? Somebody's not going to go in the top twenty, probably. KOC. Um, besides Jones, how about uh, JT Thor? Sleeper okay. in the sense that he's super raw. I mean, six eight, six nine, versatile defender, very athletic. You know, he shot below thirty percent from three as a freshman in Auburn, but I like his mechanics. He can, he's explosive for you. JT Thor is a, I'd say, a guy that could, you know, exceed the draft slot if he's a late, early second rounder or a late first. I like Isaiah Jackson. He should not go in the top twenty for based on my big guy thing, but I just feel like he's. I know what he is. I think you're right about that. Like he'll be in a playoff series. He's he's like how Nick Claxton played for Brooklyn this year. Like, wow, Nick Claxton, where did this come from? We know that type of guy. We know what that is. Um, I really, I really like West Camp. He can shoot it. as a second rounder. I just think that guy plays in the league ten years. And Kyle Mann told me, um, forty-two inch vertical leap, forty-one. Unless I'm looking at the spreadsheet wrong, I mean, that's what I saw. 42 inch vertical, Joe Weiskamp. Uh, that was so he's one. for second round. My favorite guy for like the last 12 picks. What is going on with this Jared Butler thing? What can we walk me through? Like what the fears are with him medically that would make him basically not be a top 20 pick. I mean, he was cleared, I believe. He was cleared. So- so he should be okay there, unless there's some individual teams that have lingering concerns about that. Because, you know, it, it can change over the course of time. But, I mean, there's no doubt. Like, I've, I've talked to some people that like him more than Mitchell. I mean, a little bit younger, a little bit better of a shooter in terms of he's proven it over the course of time. Mitchell had one great season shooting the three. Still a subpar free throw shooter. So, you know, Butler has a lot of supporters a lot around the league that really like what he can turn into. 6'2", guard plays hard on defense. There's just so much to like about him. Kyle, have you read stuff about him where he's like one of those great guy guys? I have the heard other you. guys are just talk. It's, it's, he's basically sounds like Gandhi. Everybody <laughs> just raves about what an unbelievable guy he is. He just, I don't sort know. Of how just, like, yeah. Like who? Oh, I was going to say sort of like how people talk about KOC. It's kind of the same <laughs> right, thing. Yeah, KOC, just same like, thing. Just endless praise. <laughs> just say, say something. Got to poke a hole in this guy. No, I mean. So I think he was he was really good last year, and they won the title, and everybody says he's an awesome guy, and the only reason he kind of fell off the map was because of some medical stuff that he got cleared on, and I don't really understand what I'm missing. I guess it's a question of if it's gone, if the issue's gone, or if it's like good enough for him to play. I guess that's the thing you would weigh. I mean, he's the kind of guy I think you could pair with like a bigger playmaker and he would really thrive because he can really shift to either role. He can really shoot. He can really create. Another guy that was like really high throughout like high school and everything is Jalen Johnson. He just gets yep. forgotten and not talked about. He had a really weird year at Duke. People have dinged him we for leaving. He kind of quit on Duke, right? People have dinged him yeah. for leaving in that weird year. I mean, I, he's a talented player. Like, uh, could be like a high transition creator at some point. Big physical presence. Interesting player. And then our workout guy, who I don't trust. As you know, I don't trust the workouts. But uh, Dayron Sharp lost a bunch of weight and was making making threes in the workouts. Everybody got all excited about him. But it it always makes me nervous when the guy gets in awesome shape right before he's about to basically get a job, but then you get the yeah. job, but do you stay in the same shape? Like, why weren't you in that shape last year at North Carolina? Like, I just have more questions than answers from that. I like Sharp. I still like him. He, way, see, he seems w- like my kind of guy. But, yeah, he, but I mean, he, 
he, he was 20 pounds heavier during his college season, right? 15, 20 pounds. I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing for him to get leaner. He, he's shown that he can play at, at a heavier weight. I think he could be, just be even more mobile as a switchable defender in the NBA. I mean, it's a, I look at it as a good thing that he's done that in such a short amount of time. I mean, that guy plays freaking hard, dude. He, he works hard. I, I'm a big fan of Sharp. Well, you compared him to Rashawn Holmes, who I've always enjoyed and wanted the Celtics to get for like three years. Where was he? Just I'm looking up out of curiosity his 2020 high school rankings. Was he a high high Sharp. recruit? Number number 12. He was a Montverde guy, I think. I'm pretty sure, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Ranked um, 12th. Yeah, number always oh, a my oh he was in yeah. rank twelve. All right, so that's a, that's an interesting one, right? Where you have to guess: Am I getting rope doped because you're in shape for these workouts, or were you a really high recruit who just kind of had a fucked up year at North Carolina? You're out of shape, but now you're in shape, and now I'm actually getting a really good guy at a discount. I've seen him mocked as high as like like um, like right after the lottery, and some people really really like him. I, I'm I'm kind of. I think like late first round is kind of, you know, I'm not trying to compare him directly, but sort of the Tony Bradley thing. Like I didn't like the reach yeah. for him there. Like that kind of a big, I just don't know about bigs in general. I'm just really hesitant. Like you were talking about, especially the springy With ones. Charlotte, yeah. If you draft them, you very, very rarely see the return on your, on your watch. Like it's usually the team that gets them second, gets the, you know, like the Nerlens types, like they, they get to see them mature and coming to their own. So and I don't know. Evan Mobley is kind of the exception to that because yes. he has the switchability. He has the playmaking. I mean, all the arguments for Evan Mobley are what make him kind of the exception because he could be an offensive hub for you. Well, it's interesting. You think about free agency and in free agency, who are the guys that are always overpriced? It's the three and D guys. It's the, you know, the Jay Crowder types are always going to make 10 million a year. And then you see these teams feeding on the fringes and they're grabbing the big guys and it's like one year, two and a half million or two years, 10 million. Or, or you can get somebody like Ennis Cantor for a year. You just take his contract for nothing, for 5 million bucks. Those guys are always available at half the price of the three and D guys. So I don't know why I would take a big guy in the draft over a three and D guy if I didn't have to. And especially like you look at this draft, like let's say, let's say Sharp, ends up being as good as all the big guys we already mentioned. Like, it's possible, and I could get him at 28. I don't know. I Another think guy, uh, there's an inefficiency. A guy we haven't mentioned that I think is interesting is uh, Nation Highland, Bones Highland. Oh, yeah. um, like, uh, KLC, where did you have him eventually? 30th, 30th, I believe, on my board right now, yeah. Is it just that he wears number five and has the same haircut, or he reminds me of Emmanuel Quickly? Like he physically mm. is like Emmanuel Quickly, like quick, shifty dribble shooter, like lanky. Um, he, he's just, crafty around the rim too. Yeah, I, he could be a value play for somebody at that at that range. I think yeah, he's a sure. bucket. I want you guys to know I was the f first person out on BJ Boston. This was mm -hmm. like over a year and a half ago at Sierra Canyon. I just I didn't get it. He, he was like the number six, number seven prospect or whatever. And I was like, I don't get it. He just seems like a gunner. Uh, any, the, before we go, Kyle, the Kentucky guys always overachieve as pros over and over again. It's one of the safest bets you can make is the Kentucky guy went 10 picks later than he probably should have. And then in the pros, it's like, wait, what happened? Why didn't that guy go higher? Uh, so we have Isaiah Jackson. Is there anybody else? Any other high Kentucky recruits that you feel like could be steals? End of the first round, second round? Uh, in this draft, no, honestly. Okay. Um, I mean, 
Terrence Clark, rest in peace. I mean, he was a guy that was going to be in that conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, BJ Boston, I know I've, I've heard too many things about like, I know I mocked him in our thing in like 28 because I thought it was worth the gamble for the upside that he could be something. I've just heard so many things about confidence, confidence issues with him. Yeah. Um, and physicality. It could happen. I hope it does for him, but it's just too. And then Isaiah Jackson, like we talked about, I, it, like you're, you're gambling, reaching for him early because he's so foul prone. Is the offense going to be there? Super talented rim protector, though. Well, my guy, Joe Weisskamp. And I know he's going to 10 to 12 years and at least one <laughs> $60 million contract in his. Sh- when do shooters go out of style? Duncan Never. Robinson Never. really has a chance to, what, make $80 million for four years, something like that? Somebody's going to restrict their offer sheet him and overpay him, I think. Yeah, I've, I've heard he's going to get paid. Big time this offseason. Who do you think it's going to be? Who? Not that many teams uh, have cap space. Yeah, but then again, the sign and trade possibility. Like, there could be a lot of sign and trades. Cap space exists. It's a real thing. It matters to have. But it's been proven. You can go to anybody. Just have to work out a sign and trade to give something back to Miami for whatever amount of money it is. Yeah. Marcus Smart for the ninth pick? <laughs> Marcus Smart for the seventh hard. pick? <laughs> What's the right pick in a Marcus Smart trade? Just KFC, in your opinion. Middle of the first round, 14, 15, oh, something like that. Uh, that's top, you're gonna top take, 10 a little too high. You're going to yeah. take some hits now in the Celtics yeah, sports. Yeah, I know. I really want it's it to okay. be like nine with the Kings. It's a win now guy. <laughs> Who knows? All right, guys. Um, this was really fun. Kyle, I don't necessarily agree with you on Zaire Williams, but I do agree that he's undervalued. Yeah. I think it's it's getting silly that he's going to fall like basically out of the top 15. You were impressed with him in person at Sierra King? I forgot that you had the. No, I didn't didn't go in person. I just watched on TV. I just thought he was good. And I also, is it weird? I like that he went to Stanford. I always feel like you go to a place like Stanford, you've got to, you know, you can't like kind of not do homework at Stanford. I know these guys are one year (laughs) and out, but you can't kind of cheat the class thing at Stanford. So. That makes me think maybe there's more going on than just basketball with him, which I kind of like. I don't know. Didn't they have a big admission scandal where people cheated to get in, though, I thought? Isn't that true? No, the, no, the, te- <laughs> the coaches got paid off. That was totally different. That was water polo. Um, all right. uh, KOC, what's your, what's your media plan this week? You doing pods um, every day? So Kyle and I on Monday are going live on Green Room, I believe at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and oh. doing a whole bunch of other draft content over the course of the week. We're doing something Wednesday, too, on Green Room, I think, Kyle. Right? Monday and Wednesday? Uh, we have Ringer NBA mock draft draft on Wednesday. Yes. That's right. Okay, good. And then KSC's popping back on Thursday. We're doing a little live BS thing on Thursday. Uh, guys, this was a pleasure. Thanks for popping on this podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. Thanks to Charks for stopping by as well. Always awesome to see him. Glad he's doing uh, really well too. It's really nice to have him around for the draft. Good to see you guys. Um, We will see you in the ringer this week.